Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Wow. All right. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Vicente and her song. I leave the country for three days and he forgets how to baptize people. That was great. Well, you won't forget that even if you want to. Amen. Well, it's great to see you here today and uh, we're continuing on. Uh, my name is Derek and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration and it's great to continue our Holy Heat Wave series. I want to say thank you, especially to those of you um, who were able to give to some camp scholarships. We took dozens of kids to kids camp. I think it was 50 some. And then last week, 72 students, uh, junior high and high school students went to summer camp. And so thanks so much for your support of that. I think it was almost double the amount of kids that went last year. So we've seen a lot of growth in our age graded ministry. So thank you. Uh, Pastor Josh was telling me this last week, we had kids rededicate their lives to Jesus Christ, baptized in the Holy Spirit, called to become pastors, missionaries. And so your investment is not only made a difference last week, but it's going to make a difference for decades to come. Amen? So thank you for that, and I appreciate your generosity for that. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter uh, 12. I said 24 in the first service as well. Luke chapter 12, verse 54. I was combining those for the sake of time, and now it's longer because I had to explain why I said the wrong thing. Should have said it right the first time. Would have been quicker. Luke chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, and if you're able, would you stand to your feet? Uh, Here this morning, we're talking about Holy Heat Wave. I've titled the message MM33, which probably does not make sense to many people yet, unless you were here in the first service, and then I hope it makes sense to you, because that'd be weird if you were here last service, and it still doesn't make sense, because that's what I just preached about. But anyway, uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, We're talking about uh, more than the weather. This is our theme verses for this series this summer. Jesus said to the crowds gathered around, when you see a cloud forming in the west, don't you say a storm is brewing? And then it arrives. And when you feel the south wind blowing, you say a heat wave's on the way. And so it happens. You're experts at forecasting the weather. We need them in Minnesota. Last night, we were supposed to get rain at our house, and so my wife had uh, taken the kids hiking yesterday while I was finishing the message for today, and she left uh, the car uh, in the driveway because she said it's going to rain and wash off the dirt from the day. And what happened to the storm is it treated like the, our house like the Red Sea, and it just parted right around, and we got nothing at our house. And so, anyway, these people were better at that. I had nothing to do with my message, but I just felt like informing you about my frustration last night. Thanks for... Uh, joining in. Uh, You're such experts at forecasting the weather, but you're unwilling to understand the spiritual significance of the time you're living in. Now, initially when I read this and felt like the Holy Spirit dropped this Holy Heat Wave series on my heart, um, I had intended and will next month talk about some of these hot topic cultural uh, items that are being discussed or perpetuated in our society today. And by the way, I think we ought to be aware of things that are taking place in our state and in our nation. Uh, once I got back, even the last couple of nights, my wife and I, we've spent time talking, looking at things for this school year and things with our kids, because we believe parents ought to be informed and involved in their kids' lives. And so uh, that was kind of the focus. But before I left, I felt like, ah, 
we're missing it if we only talk about what's taking place in our state and in our nation. And today I want to focus on things that are taking place and will happen when it comes to our world. So we're going to talk about that today, MM33. Let's pray together and then I'll jump in to the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to gather and lift high the mighty name of Jesus. We ask Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help us all leave committed to living on mission, your mission for our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Hopefully you got a note sheet on the way in. There's three points and I'll get to those eventually. I got a couple pages before that, but you'll get there. So, um, This probably could, should, maybe we'll label it a Vision Sunday. There's no banners, there's no balloons, there's no confetti, because that's not really how I roll. But um, most of you know that I was gone last week in Kazakhstan, was gone for six days. It took me two days to get there, three days in country, and then one day to get back. It was a long one day, though. It was 31 hours as I gained time coming back. But uh, also, as I I get into this, I just want to give a special thanks to people on our staff and in our church who kind of helped hold things down for me while I'm gone, looking after my family. And this week, I owe a special thanks. I always should, but a special thanks to my wife, because one of the days... um, I had just finished speaking in a few churches, citywide gatherings. I got a message from my wife that said, can we talk? And I'm like, I'm 11 time zones away. I know I didn't do anything. But you know, you're not sure. Your kids have been at camp and I, can we talk? And so I'm like trying to wake the cobwebs up. And, and once I, she said, um, she started to tell me a situation that happened. And long story short, it seems like some of my identity was stolen. They were using some pictures of me. Uh, they had photoshopped some pictures of me and, and our son. And there were, I don't know if it was like online trying to get money or catfishing or some different apps. And um, this happened like two years ago. People on our staff were notified of it and they laughed because they were like, yeah, our pastor doesn't know his own password. He has to get it from Pastor Lewis, which is true. And so if you want to hack into my stuff, you should find out from Pastor Lewis what my stuff is. He'll tell us both and then we can log in together. Um, but, but then this lady, I don't know if she started stalking me or something happened and started calling the church. And then Dana was, and, and, and she was like, what do you think? And I, I, I said, I can't believe they think I'm 54 years old. (laughs) Yeah, they had developed a fake profile and name and they said I was 54. And she was like, you're not mad about the photos of your son or that they're calling the church? You're mad that they think you're 54? I was like, well, I'm not 54. She's like, that's not the point. And I was like, okay, you're right. I'm mad about it, you know, and so... So Friday, we got to go spend, you know, the morning at the police station, filing things, turning over technology and reports and all that kind of stuff. And a side note for everybody here and also those, especially my heart is for pastors who, who watch later on in the week. Let me just implore you, beg of you, from my heart to yours, live your life in such a way that you don't have anything to hide and you can freely turn over your technology to other people. It's important that you know that, that, uh, you know, I wasn't worried about what my wife would see or what Lewis has discovered. A lot of times Lewis knows more about my technology than I do. Sometimes he's like, hey, you have a meeting, you still go in there. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, well, if you look at your stuff, I was like, can you log me in real quick? And then, uh, 
And then we know, but you know, it's important as the police were talking, they even, I think, created like some fake artificial intelligence videos that kind of look like me and, and voice is some scary stuff. It's going to be important that you don't live your life in isolation and that you're living with other people where the default answer is, oh, I already know that's not him. That's not her. I've got access. I'm just telling you, don't live on an island. Don't live with hidden sin. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And so whoever had been doing some sinning, the police are about to find them. And so we filed that. So praise the Lord. But uh, thank you to my wife for holding that down. And uh, it's great to be back. But have you noticed that kind of stuff always happens when you're trying to follow Jesus with everything you have, or you're, we, we'll have a car battery die when we're about to go on a vacation. We have water leaks in the house on the weekend. Nothing ever goes out when there's not going to be an extra trip charge, you know, from an expert or whatever. So anyway, but uh, don't be afraid. Those kind of things don't distract me. They don't discourage me. They sure don't deter me. In fact, they only fire me up because it makes me know we're right on track with what God wants us to do. So uh, we, we look forward to that. But uh, today we're talking about uh, MM33. It's a global vision of the World Assemblies of God fellowships. And so, like I said, this would be kind of a vision. Sunday, but it's a little bit of a different one because I'm not really into these normally because as I look at like my own life or maybe as I've seen in other places, I've seen a lot of unhealthy situations where people are chasing after numbers and they just kind of ring hollow to me personally. You know, I, I don't really, um, anyway, it's not really me, but today as I was praying for these last two weeks and my time away, I was reminded that this is not my vision, not my dream or those kind of things, but we're part of the Assemblies of God. Now our church, Celebration Church, has always been part of the Assemblies of God when we were planted over 25 years ago, part of the Minnesota District of Assemblies of God. Minnesota District is uh, not its own thing. It's part of the Assemblies of God USA that my great-great-grandparents helped start in 1914 in Arkansas. A lot of details, but I'm just saying. Um, but Assemblies of God USA is part of the World Assemblies of God. And so as I share more of those facts later on, It'll help you know that what we're talking about today is not led by the United States of America. Our World Assemblies of God Fellowship, the chairman is Brother Mohan out of India, and vice chairman is uh, Dominic Yao out of Singapore. So the USA is part of what God is doing through the Assemblies of God around the world, but we're not per se the point or primary of it. And I think that helps Americans to be reminded that what God is doing here, he's doing ex exponentially more there, and it's a privilege and blessing for us to be part of it. Can I get a good amen? So MM33, you might want to go there this week. You can read it on your own. I've been there, but uh, it's helpful for you as well. MM33. Global. It's the Assemblies of God World Fellowship's collaborative vision and plan for kingdom expansion and contribution to the Great Commission. Very simply, it's his mandate and our mission. His mandate and our mission. Those will be important for you when I get to the note sheet in a little bit. Let me just further explain MM33 because it's important to know what we're part of and why we're doing this as we talk about God's vision, I believe, for us for the next decade. Um, it's the collaborative effort of the World Assemblies of God to engage in the greatest work of evangelism, discipleship, and church planting the world has ever seen. So that's what we're gonna be talking about even today. Evangelism, discipleship, and church planting all around the world with full reliance on the Holy Spirit. 
By the way, it seems easier for our brothers and sisters around the world to remain fully reliant upon the Holy Spirit, sadly, than many of us here in America. But our fellowship will collectively foster, I love this, a growing revival leading to kingdom expansion as more people encounter the gospel. The great commandment is his mandate and our mission. So we're seeking the Lord and taking steps, here's the big vision, to grow to one million churches by the 2000th anniversary of Jesus' resurrection and the day of Pentecost, 2033, and then continuing the mission. Now, if you're a Bible scholar and you're like, hey, I don't think that math is right. Jesus might have come like five or six BC. You might be right. You probably could be right, but we're treating this like Christmas. We know Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th, but we're going with it. So that's what we're doing here. Jesus died, rose again at 33. We're treating it like it was the year 33, add 2000, 2033, MM 33. Make sense? Mandate, mission 33. By the way, Roman numerals, M is 1000. So MM means 2033. Welcome to math class here today. What? Many people have yet to hear the good news. And the world is crying out for a source of true hope and we know that Jesus is the only answer. Can I get a good amen? Now we've been, uh, the great, we've been given the great commission to take the gospel around the whole world and there's much work to be done. So this MM33 is a covenant of brothers and sisters in Christ in a collective pursuit of building the kingdom by fostering revival and expanding to one million churches. And the pace of church planning and evangelism needs to exponentially grow if we're gonna reach this goal in 10 years. But we believe that together we can impact the globe as we share the gospel and usher in global revitalization and revival. Now, a little bit more Assemblies of God history. The, the World Fellowship has always participated in world evangelism. An unprecedented period of growth happened right here in our nation during the decade of harvest from 1990 to 2000. By the way, Celebration Church is one of the churches that was planted during that time, that focus of the decade of harvest. You can see a little bit more about that online. But by God's grace, since then, we've continued to grow, and now there are just over 384,000 Assemblies of God churches worldwide with 70 million adherents to God be the glory. When they gathered in 2017, back then the leader was Dr. George Wood, our former uh, general superintendent, uh, had a prophetic exhortation that asked the Lord of the harvest to help us so that if he tarries his return until 2033, that we could consist of over 1 million churches. And basically nothing was done with that for a couple years. Dr. Wood passed away. Uh, during the first year of COVID, uh, was going to lead us on a trip to Israel, but uh, now he's not giving tours of Israel, but rather maybe uh, the new heavens and earth, I'm not sure, but because uh, he's in heaven. Okay, anyway, different end times message for that. Uh, and then a year ago, our world leaders realized that something was birthed in prayer that they weren't doing anything about. So they reconvened, and now there's over 160 national councils from over 140 countries And we believe if our efforts for evangelism will be ignited with full reliance on the Holy Spirit, we believe we can expand the footprint of the church around the world. So in my time in Kazakhstan, it only solidified my convictions and commitment for us to be part of this mm33.global. So for the sake of time, I'll intersperse 
my reflections from Kazakhstan throughout the message. Although I will say, uh, as I begin, in one of the services, that Sunday night service that I preached and the altars were full, uh, not only were, were pastors encouraged and people inspired to live for God, baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, talked about missions and that God is calling people as part of this initiative to go around the world. And the following day, Bishop Yurkin received a message from one of the members of their churches and they said, uh, God called me last night to be a missionary, so pray about where I'm gonna go. And I'd asked Yurkin if they'd ever had a missionary. He said, well, we had two people who had uh, been through Teen Challenge and they went to the Republic of Georgia and started a Teen Challenge, so I guess we've had one. And I said, well, that might be a little different, so we're gonna pray that Kazakhstan too would join in these other nations, about 107 or so, that are what we call sending nations that are not only receiving missionary support uh, or help from other countries, but they are then sending their people to fulfill the Great Commission as well. Amen? So we're seeing God do that. All right, if you have your notes, you can grab those. The first two are a little quicker, maybe not. And then the third one, you have a little bit more space as we talk about. I'll kind of unpack what I believe, at least bullet point wise, uh, is God's vision for us to be part of this 10-year plan with the Assemblies of God. Number one, we know that this is his mandate. It's his mandate. We call this the Great Commission. Jesus' final instructions before leaving earth are found in Matthew chapter 28 and 19. The Bible says that Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, I remind you. Well, no, not maybe, maybe not you, because I'm sure you're all brilliant and you already know this, but the people in the first service, I had to tell them and the people watching online, right? This is important. And I don't know, this might get me in trouble here in America. It's going to be breaking news for some of our uh, news affiliates here in our nation, but it's not our idea to spread out and bring the good news to the whole world. I grew up, uh, obviously, because I'm here, but, um, like I paused and it's like a weird place to put a pause. I'm like, I know, but anyway, uh, how many people ever heard of the cartoon Pinky in the Brain? Let me just see where you are. Thank you. Okay, Pinky in the Brain. And every show would always end. They're like, well, what are we going to do tomorrow night, Pinky? We're going to try to take over the world, which is honestly, I don't want to like sugarcoat it. I don't want to sidestep it at all. It is what we're trying to do. However, we're not doing it for our own fame. We're not doing it for our own sake. We're not doing it for our name to be great. We're doing it because Jesus himself said, therefore go into all the world and make disciples and, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This might get me in trouble here in America with some groups, but I must say it because some people in America are prisoners of the moment. And they're like, this is the worst thing ever. There's been bad stuff that's happened before. This is the only time ever. I bet it's not. Let me just say this. I hate to break it to some people, but zoom in tight on the camera and quote me carefully. Missions is not rooted in white supremacy. I know it's revelatory for some people. They're like, but let me just newsflash this thing called missions 
was given 2,000 years ago. Whether you want to say America's 200 or they had problems for 400, either way, 2,000's way longer. And it was Jesus, who's the supernatural son of a Middle Eastern woman who told other Middle Eastern men, go into all the world. Put that in your recent worldview pipe and smoke it. I did not say it that passionately in the first service. I just want to admit, we might have to edit that part out. Stick to the part. Anyway, um, I'm just saying it's his mandate. This, This wasn't a group of white people that got together and said, what should we do? This is a mandate from heaven. By the way, I think if humans got together, we would not have come up with this. Because humans, we're prone, uh, we're, we're survivalists. We're, we, we do take the easy way out. We, we look for ways to, to, we would never say we're going to go into all the world. We might say we're going to go into the easy places. We might say we're going to go into the tropical places, specifically in the wintertime. We might, we might say we're going to go to the places that like us, but there's never been a group of humans that on their own accord said, we're going to sign up to do something impossible if God doesn't help us. It's not our idea. It's the idea of heaven. It is his Mandate, And therefore, this mandate from heaven clearly articulates for us our purpose, our marching orders, our reason for being. This was only compounded that once I returned from Kazakhstan on Thursday, we were able to host pastors and leaders, church members from across our state to have a conversation with the Sons of God World Missions Africa. We had our leaders come in and, and uh, discussing the need for workers. I mean, more than discussing, we prayed. And, but the need for workers to bring the good news to places that have not yet heard. 21 nations in Africa without an Assemblies of God missionary to this day. Our, our goal is, is to help plant the church where it's not. The, specifically, it's the goal is to have a healthy church within walking distance of every African. Well, we, we don't necessarily need a healthy church here in America within walking distance for everybody because that would be a lot. But most people in America have access to a vehicle, public transportation, a friend that can give them a ride, whatever it is. But we must understand that for the national church to lead the way, we've got to help them accomplish what specifically God has put on their heart to do. Now, some of you might say, well, Pastor Derek, wouldn't it be easier to just stay in our own bubble, in our own comfort zone, in our own neighborhood? Yes, it would. (laughs) But the Great Commission was not the easy commission. It's the Great Commission. Wouldn't it be cheaper, Pastor Derek, to simply focus on our friends and our coworkers and kind of put the global needs on the back burner? Yes, it would be cheaper, but it wouldn't be biblical. So here was my takeaway on Thursday. I wrote this in my journal. As we talked about places that require creative access, places that are Islamic republics where it's illegal to proselytize, illegal to ask people, tell people about Jesus and ask them to surrender their life to him, to convert, if you will, in that regard. I wrote this in in my journal. I said, going is a risk, but we don't really have a choice. Going is a risk, but we don't really have a choice because God 
is still calling and people are still waiting. I lost sleep on Thursday night with that last part again that people are still waiting. It's so easy in our context where we drive by other churches when we have access to the internet, when many versions of the Bible are available for us on a free app, it's so easy for us to forget that so many of the world, just under half, are still waiting for even one presentation of the name Jesus. So although going is a risk, we don't really have a choice because God is still calling and people are still waiting. Therefore, this mandate, and I know the word mandate is often refused these days, but this mandate really should be our mantra. We don't need really to dream about what we want to do and ignore what we need to do. What we need to do is to do what God has called us to do, to do what Jesus told us to do, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So when we get to point three, I'll share a little bit more about how I think we're going to start doing that here at Celebration for the next decade. Number two, it's not just his mandate, but it's the mission. By the way, it's the mission whether we choose to accept it or not. On one of the flights I was on, there was a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible 97. I don't know which one it was. There's a bunch of them. They're all the same. Bad stuff's about to happen, and he comes in, and do-do-do, and then it doesn't happen. It's amazing. Like... I saved you the time. You don't have to go to the theater and see it. Okay. But it's the mission whether we accept it or not. But I do believe this is a time-sensitive, a a limited-time-only mission for us. Why do we know that? We read the words of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church of Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. He says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. It's important. Time is ticking. We, we, we have less time today than we did yesterday. I mean, the same amount of time, but we have less time in advance for when he returns for his church without spot or wrinkle, when he returns to judge the world, when he returns to judge the living and the dead. But, but the verses here in Ephesians, I think, align so closely with what we saw in Luke chapter 12, that Jesus said we've got to understand the spiritual significance of the time we're living in. And I believe if we understand that significance, we'll be even more committed to living on mission because we know the days are evil. As we see darkness continue to spread, I mean, I get it. I, we've been back home for a couple days, or I've been back home, and it does seem like the days are more and more evil. We, we hear more reports. We hear more rumors. We read more things. But we know, according to John chapter 1 and verse 5, that although the darkness appears to be spreading, I've got good news, brothers and sisters. The Bible says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and cannot and will not Overcome it. Can I get a good amen? We've had prophetic word in our prayer times that the Lord is removing this covering over this light here at celebration that that will be according to his word, a light that will shine brightly on a hilltop. We've had people in prayer times see visions of of lighthouse and things going out that, that we're going to be a light that will shine brightly for Jesus. And I remind you, it's not our light, dear brothers and sisters, but it is the light of Christ that shines from within us. So God's mandate is the mission, but the question is, will we make it our mission? 
It's the mission whether we accept it or not. But tragically, many Christians here in our nation are off mission. Or maybe another way that I could say it is they're on mission for off topics. What a scary thought. I don't want to be in front of the judgment seat one day to find out that I lived for things that didn't matter. I don't want to be told one day that that I wasted my passion on things that were just temporary. But I want to live on mission for God, doing what will last forever. And this is the reality that I experienced with the church there in Kazakhstan. In a brand new way, I've been fortunate enough to be in a few different countries and seeing and praying with believers, and we'll have increased focus on that in point three, but it was different for me in Kazakhstan. A little bit of history in case you weren't with us last November when we had Yerkin and Madeline with us, general superintendents of Assemblies of God, Kazakhstan, and he reminded me that it was in 1990 that USSR collapsed. Therefore, uh, Yerkin's just 47, a couple years older than me, grew up in the time where USSR was in power, but it was in 1990 that Kazakhstan experienced a newfound freedom. And sadly enough, not unique to them, many of us humans around the world, uh, in newfound freedom, how many people know not all free acts lead to freedom? They became addicted to drugs. Drugs flooded the country and the uh, drug trafficking and they were so cheap and it became the norm and addiction was devastating their people. It was during that same decade of harvest for us here in America when Celebration Church, many other churches were planted, but God was also at the same time all the way around the world making a way where there seemed to be no way in Kazakhstan as well. It was a program called Teen Challenge that took root in the area, by the way, with full support from the Muslim leadership in the land (laughs) as they were against drugs and alcohol. And uh, they said, you know what? If this program is gonna help people get free from addictions, we'll support it as well. But little did they know that as people went to these homes, men and women alike, as they began to experience freedom from addiction while in the program, they also began to meet a man named Jesus, Isa, who was revealing himself. not only got set free from addiction, they got set free from the power of sin and death. They surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. And today, 90% of the pastors of Assemblies of God in Kazakhstan are Teen Challenge graduates for the glory of God. Now, I'm not aware of any country that has been as spiritually impacted by Teen Challenge as much as Kazakhstan was. I, I traveled to different homes and centers and every morning they're making disciples of Jesus Christ, getting free from drugs and alcohol, uh, Jurgen told me is the smallest thing they do. But it's in this time where they're setting aside, they have a detox area that, that, that they're studying the word and they're training to be pastors. And in fact, in Kazakhstan, in order to successfully graduate from the one-year program, you have to become a deacon in the local church. If you don't get involved in your local church, they fail you out of the program, even if you're not doing drugs and alcohol. Because <laughs> he said, what's the point of being free if you're not on fire? Come on, somebody. Uh, to God be the glory. So it was an incredible experience, um, even as we walked around and uh, saw these things. But they know what oppression is like, seeing the war monuments 
anyone my age having grown up in a time. So even as we prayed in the services, every service I was in as they prayed for the end of the war between Russia and Ukraine, it was different than when we've prayed here. It's not just any war to them. It's a reality with the monuments that I saw all around that they know at any point Russia could take a turn and it'd be their turn next. And they don't want to return to the way that they were. But, but the thing that stuck out the most to me in every meeting, every conversation, out of the hundreds of adult believers I met, they were all first-generation Christians. I didn't meet a single person from Kazakhstan that had had the privilege and blessing of serving Jesus for even 30 years. All of them, as we sat down and shared in circles, and as our team goes back this October, we'll have the blessing to do as well. Each and every one wanted so desperately to share their testimony of how Jesus saved them, and they wanted to hear from me. You should have seen them look with wide eyes when I said, not only did my parents raise me in church, their parents raised them in church, and their parents, and they got a vision for five generations later in their country, and I was able to encourage them that what God has done in the last three decades, if you'll hold on, should Jesus tarry, a hundred years later, we'll see people serving Jesus Christ in their country if they don't give up. But whenever we have a first generation experience, it helps us remain on mission because they don't take for granted getting to go to church on Sunday. They don't take for granted getting to pray together with other believers. They don't take for granted that which many of us in America have become so apathetic Toward. There is so much apathy in America when it comes to the mission we're on. Believers in our nation are often tragically unmoved when it comes to the lost and hurting around us and around the globe. Statistics tell us that less than 1% of every dollar given to missions in our American churches goes to reaching the unreached, which means less than 1% of the dollars are ever given to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to 42% of the world that's still waiting for the first time. Think about that. People are lost without access and some of people's biggest passions in our country or mission is their favorite sports team or their next vacation or whatever the case is, you can fill in the blank. But I pray, dear brothers and sisters, that we would be people who remain focused on the mission and we make it our mission because time is ticking. We need to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And even now we say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Number three which is kind of like the biggest part of the message that I have the least amount of time, but we'll leave when I'm done. (laughs) You'll leave when you want to, but I'll leave when I'm done. Okay, number three, this is our part. This is our part. It's not just his mandate. It's not just the mission. It's our part. If we'll make this our mission, we go, what's what's our part here at Celebration? What's my part as an individual? As we talk about this MM33, this global vision, this global partnership, don't let it just be them. As I realized, I've told so many people, it's such a joy for me to serve within our Assemblies of God family, and I don't have to pray too long, sometimes not even at all, to be part of something if our Assemblies of God family is doing it. And I realized when Alton Garrison asked me, well, what are you guys doing with MM33? And I said, huh? And he said, oh, no. And I said, oh yeah. And so here we are because uh, this is who we are as part of our global fellowship and we want to be part of what God is doing. And so Habakkuk 2.2 says, then the Lord answered to me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. 
or iPads, whatever you have, that he may run. That's not in the Bible. That was a joke. You could have laughed. You missed it, but it's okay. I forgive you in the name of Jesus, that he may run or walk quickly, who reads it? What is he saying? You gotta have what you gotta know what you're going towards. We gravitate towards what we focus on. And when it comes to this idea, I wanna just upfront say that I am in no way the things that I'm about to share do I think that I've heard from God in an infallible way. The Bible is the inspired word of God, and what I'm going off of is what I think I might have heard from God, what I think uh, our team has discussed. Uh, what, so this is just like this kind of continued unfurling of the vision. The way I like to say it is I think the inspiration came from the Holy Spirit and he and I talked in the last two weeks and then gave me a little bit of an idea. Then I shared it with Pastor Vicente, then our staff and we prayed and I think we got more to the idea and they changed some wording with the idea that I had from inspiration, but I'm like, you know what? If you believe in the multitude of counsel, you gotta hold things loosely. So we then changed some ideas. And then today we take another step. Tomorrow, uh, the board like who's in here, we'll talk about it again tomorrow, but it's just like, this is what we think because when it comes to implementation, it can't just be inspiration from the Holy Spirit. It can't just be ideas in a church service. It's gotta be implemented by everybody. This is a global vision and each stage is critical, which is why I'm so excited for today. Every conversation I've had on this point has been filled with yes and amen. Let's go for it. Even after the first service, uh, David Entler, one of our most passionate evangelizers, came up to me afterwards. He said, Pastor Derek, I've never been so excited to be part of a church with this vision for the next decade. Let's go for it. I'm with you, heart and soul. And I was like, amen. And he said, just let me know what's next. I was like, I don't know. I gave you everything today that I had. It's been two weeks. You know, we got to keep praying and figure this stuff out. So uh, here we go. I began to look at what MM33 set out as global vision and I started to do the math because I didn't really know what else to do. I've prayed to God like, oh, give me a number, give me you know, vision and I just, I, I confess to you, I've never left a prayer meeting where I was like, this is what, how many video screens we need of me. I've never thought that. It wasn't like this is what, you know, but, but I was just like, okay, God, help me understand the math of what we need to do to be part. And then I reminded, the Holy Spirit reminded me of something I said a couple years ago. Sometimes, don't you hate it when God reminds you of things that you've said already? Because I can't really blame anybody else. And um, it was a number of years ago, I said, you know, when it comes to missions, don't do the math, do your part. I was like, but I wanna do the math because it's easier. <laughs> and so then as I was talking with the staff and we were praying, um, there was a lot of feedback going on and, and my wife spoke up, she was in the front row and she said, because uh, I said, here's the average. And I was also reminded, we don't really, we're not an average church. I, I don't want to be an average Christian. I don't want to be an average pastor. Hope you don't want to be an average person. I mean, some of you want to be, apparently. You didn't say amen, but that's okay. You're welcome to be above average as well. Uh, but she said, we're not average, we're double doors. And I thought, Oh, there was another thing that I said a couple years ago we felt like was a word from the Lord. So then I had to cross out all the math on my paper and multiply by two because double doors means double. And so let me just talk to you about some of the things that our global fellowship is aiming for over the next decade. And I believe my spirit has latched onto this and, and I hope yours does too. So the number one goal that they said, as I mentioned, you know, if we need to 
edit it and change it as we go. That'll be fine. It's not set in stone. We don't have any banners printed. I'm just sharing with you. Basically, because I'm not good at keeping secrets. I was trying to tell the staff, I was like, well, maybe we could like talk at a board meeting. We could have another staff meeting. We could like pray and figure out they're like, Vicente's like, no, just go for it, pastor. Don't wait any longer. And that's good because I don't like keeping secrets anyway. So here we go. We're still in the dreaming stage, but we think this is it. Our global fellowship is focusing on increased prayer and discipleship, sending workers or missionaries and planting churches. So let me just give those goals. I'll do the math. We'll double it for double doors. We'll pray and we'll be on our way as we chase the dreams that God is giving us for the next 10 years. Amen. All right, in the next 10 years, the Summers of God World Fellowship says they want to grow to 1 million churches. As I mentioned earlier, we have 384,000 right now. If you're bad at math, that's basically one-third of 1 million. So I did the math, and I thought if the existing churches all plant two churches, that'll get us to 1 million. And I was like, well, I guess we could plant two churches. And then we got to the math, nope, double doors. And, and I changed it. And I said, with God's help, I believe we'd like to plant four new churches, bringing the gospel where it's not, planting the church where there isn't one, four new churches in the next 10 years. Now I mentioned, that's not like four places to show a video of me. That's not wrong. It's not unbiblical. It's just not what I think we're trying to do of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ where it's not. So even as we go in October and we tour through Kazakhstan, we're going to pray through villages and ask Yurkin as the leader there in the country, where's some place that we could plant a church in the next 10 years? Uh, Dr. Barnabas from Tokambali from Tanzania and Africa had called while I was on a layover and he actually talked to me for a number of minutes. He said, you know, could you come and help? So we're going to pray for around the world to plant churches at least four uh, in the next 10 years. Now in Minnesota, our district superintendent, one of my pastors, Pastor Mark Dean, has set a goal that we would also plant 125 churches in Minnesota, going to towns, cities that don't have uh, a church or maybe don't have enough churches if it's a big city in places. And so uh, I did the math. We have 250 churches in Minnesota, 125 need to be planted. That means every church needs to do half. Fortunately for me, times two gets us to one. So one of our four would be somewhere here in Minnesota. I have no idea where. Again, this is two years. I had one staff member come up to me afterwards. They were like, well, how are we going to do this? What do you think about that? I was like, I literally said everything I think about it in the one staff meeting because I ain't got nothing else. This is everything I've been praying for the last two weeks. So we believe with God's help, he'll help us do it in the next 10 years. Now, here's the next thing that, that we see uh, that's part of this deal. Here in Minnesota, when it comes to sending workers, our Pastor Mark, our, one of my pastors, our superintendent, has said we want to send out 1,000 missionaries from Minnesota. We've currently done 173 so far, but I did the math. 250 churches, 1,000 missionaries. That means the average church should do four. Thank you. Uh, that, that, that's also how many people responded. Appreciate it. But... <laughs> you know, like Roy Eckers, three years ago, when we were in our month of missions in November, and we said, God, would you call people? Would you raise up workers? Would you send out laborers? And they're now serving in Estonia. We were able to talk to them last week. And so we're going to believe that in the next 10 years, God will help us to send out eight families to serve him in places where the church currently is. We got to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people who are still waiting to this day. By the way, it, it struck uh, a chord in a real way, even in between services, because my wife had reminded me that, that actually both of our daughters had said after their experience at summer camp, we think God is calling us into missions. And my wife did the math that in 10 years, both of our girls will be out of the house by the will of God, <laughs> by the grace of God, by the will of their parents, but also by the grace of God. 
but it means they fit in that 10-year window to go and serve the Lord around the world. So we're going to pray that God will do it by his grace. So we're going to keep praying each and every week at our prayer gatherings and in our times, God, would you raise up labors? Would you send workers, boots on the ground, missionaries? Now, side note, I wrote this in my notes and I want to say it here. We're not chasing numbers, right? But it'll be easier to celebrate them if we count them. Now, what, what I mean is, like, let's pretend we get to the end of 10 years and only six people from our church family felt the call of God, or I should say responded to the call of God, because I just believe he's going to call at least that. I really do. I, I don't think this is my idea. It didn't have pizza last night, so I'm not coming and sharing something to pat on myself on the back or us on the back. I really believe, uh, I truly believe this is from God. But let's pretend only six families are sent out. We're not going to sit here in 10 years and go, well, let's just make up number seven and eight so we can say we did it. We're not going to manufacture it. We're not uh, printing ourselves a certificate about it. But if we don't count them, it'll be hard to know how we're celebrating with what God is doing and all that kind of stuff. So the same is true with church planting, missionaries, and these other deals. We're not chasing numbers. By the way, if we send out eight missionaries in, the same, in six years, we're not stopping it's not like, well, we're done. Let's put our feet up and take the next four years off and see what 2034 holds. <laughs> no, because we're not chasing numbers. We're chasing after all that God is asking us to do. But we believe there are some metrics or some things that we can count and celebrate along the way. Amen? Now, here's another thing that I felt like I came back and I told Vicente, I was hearing the testimonies of the trip with uh, China that we did, the virtual trip, and my heart was just so moved. And I'll admit, this next part, you can see the math is growing as we go. The numbers are getting bigger. And I said, you know what, Pastor Vicente, and he was taken back, then we said the whole staff and everybody was in, I really feel like beginning next year, even in January, we want to have at least one missions trip every month of the year. So that'd be a minimum of 12 next year, but it's also important to me that it's one every calendar month so that there's never more than a couple weeks from the last trip or a couple weeks to the next one. And some of you like Pastor Vicente literally said, he said, well, that's very audacious, Pastor. I said, I'm glad you said that because if you go to mm33.global, it says this is an audacious endeavor. <laughs> But I don't want to pray small prayers. I don't want to go after small things. So we're going to have one missions trip every month. And I think it's doable. Let me explain how that's going to be. We're, we live in a unique location here in the Twin Cities where Jesus said, go into all the world. But how many people have noticed the world has also come to us? If you didn't know that, go north on 35 and take any exit. You'll notice it rather quickly. And so the world has come to us. And so far be it from us to live with our head in the sand or in our own little bubble, but rather immerse ourselves in the world that has been brought to us. So we'll have opportunities to go on global missions trips uh, where you travel, sleep in a different bed. You might need a passport, those kind of things. But then we're also going to have right here in the Twin Cities cultural experience trips that will take place like five nights of the week, four or five hours at a time, working with different people groups in the cities, some pastor friends that I have here. And, and I think it's going to help us gain a global perspective, even on one week where you don't have to take a week of vacation from your job. Uh, you don't have to miss school, those kind of things. And it's going to enable us to be part of what 
what God is doing right here around the world. You'll be able to sleep in your own bed, but we're going to walk through the open doors to learn about and minister to different cultures right here around us. I, I won't announce what they are because Pastor Vicente has only had one meeting with our missions uh, team so far, but at Taste of Nations, November 12th, during our month of missions this fall, we'll announce them a uh, different month, where they're going to be, whether it's a global missions trip or a cultural one. We're going to have things like among people experience. Pastor Tang Vu will lead that for us, witnessing to shamans and different things. We're going to have focus on different religions, Buddhists and Muslims, different people groups, Ukrainians, refugees, come, like all that kind of stuff. Um, I think one of the options that we're going to have, it'll probably have to be in the summer, even be a homeless experience. In other words, what we want to do is allow the Lord to move in our hearts right here in our own cities that we could get a global vision, but also I believe it'll make us better residents right here in Minnesota in the Twin Cities so that it'll lower some of our defense mechanisms and uh, apprehensions as we live here because I don't think the world is leaving this place. The world will continue to come to us and we're asking God to help us make an impact in their life. So you can be in prayer between now and November when those trips are announced, which one it is for you. I think people ought to think about going on one of those cultural trips every year. They're 200 bucks, 100 bucks to pull off the meals that you get and the activities and then 100 to the partner to help that church or that missionary. So that's something you could be a part of. It'll take you a decade to go on all of them and that's, we've got a decade to do it. But we're also gonna have global missions trips to places like Estonia with the Royakers, Israel, Costa Rica, Cambodia, Dartley, a lot of stuff. Why? Because we know that a trip is where for most of us, missions moves from our head to our heart. It's more than reading about it. It's more than hearing about it. But when we experience it, it's what changes us for a lifetime. Another couple quick bullet points, and then we'll pray. Pastor Vicente mentioned, well, Pastor Derek, if we're going to plant those churches, if we're going to send those missionaries, if we have those trips, we're going to need increased um, giving to kingdom builders. And so for us, that's just missions. But he said, you know, if we uh, increase or have this goal of 500000 a year, that'll help him and the missions team strategic, strategically support missionaries and missions projects toward those aims in those countries, in those people groups. So that's going to be awesome. Give you two more metrics before one that I added late last night because that's kind of how it was. I kept writing all day yesterday. Um, two other metrics that the Assemblies of God gives us the, as far as church size for us, uh, they have smaller and 1,000 plus. So I've just said, you know, we run about 850 people on a Sunday at this point. So over the next 10 years, I hope it sure doesn't take us that long, but with people being saved, baptized in water, discipled, that we would have uh, 1,000 plus Sunday morning worship attendance. And then eventually over the next 10 years, especially uh, when we could sell some land, that we'd become debt-free. It's a little bit under $3.8 million, which would free up $325,000 every year for the aforementioned uh, things that we believe God will have us to do. So while we're thankful that Thrivent has loaned us that much money, we hope that we get them out of our lives forever. <laughs> I mean that in a loving way, as Eric had said, from the bottom of my heart, because we believe if we're gonna bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people who've never heard, it's important that we free ourselves from those obligations so we can move forward with these visions ahead. The other numbers that um, our district superintendent has talked about, it was from a committee that uh, I led, actually, or my dad led that I was part of, um, is about salvations, water baptisms, and spirit baptisms in our church. Because 
um, a numerical attendance without tied to spiritual growth and discipleship is really not church growth, it's church transfer. And so we want to see people's lives change forever. And so in the state of Minnesota, annually, uh, the goal is 20,000 people to be saved, seven, uh, 5,000 people to be baptized in water, 5,000 people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, endued with power to go and be witnesses. These things all work together. 250 churches, I did the math. Quite honestly, the math on salvations, water baptisms, and spirit baptisms is so small, I don't even like have those because next week when we do water baptisms, I think we'll completely go over not only the average, we'll go over our part of double doors of salvations and water baptisms and spirit baptisms for the year. And we sure would hate to say, for the last five months, we hope nobody's lives are changed. <laughs> so instead of that, I said at least like 250, at least 75, at least 50. In other words, when it comes to salvations, water baptisms and spirit baptisms, actually I wrote down on my paper, more Lord, more Lord, more Lord. We, we never want to be content with those who've come. So we want all of our neighbors to come to know Jesus Christ. We want all of our co-workers to receive salvation, be baptized in water, go public for their faith. Amen? So remember, don't leave this place. Focus on the math. We're not doing the math. We're doing our part. So I'm going to pray for us, and I want God to speak to us, really just inspire us today with vision ahead. But over this next decade, I want us to continually be praying, God, what is my part? What, what's my part? Not, not calling somebody else, but as we asked every pastor that gathered, gathered on Thursday, would you pray, God, am I supposed to stay here in Minnesota or am I supposed to go there to Africa and to some of these places that are in need? I, I'm just asking as often as you can, morning and night, if you're willing, would you pray, God, what's my part. I think within that scope of planning churches and sending missionaries, trips to other people groups and religions, growth within our church, reduction, elimination of the death, but salvations, water baptisms, spirit baptisms. I remind you, it's not really my vision today. It's not our idea. It's Jesus is. He is the one who said, therefore, go. And that's what we're going to do today. Not therefore, do more math. Not therefore, make a t-shirt about it. But we're going to go. Jesus said into all the world. And yes, that includes the difficult places. Because the Bible says Jesus died for everybody. Not just the ones who were fortunate enough to be born in this country with church choice. But Jesus died for the ones who 2,000 years are still waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So we say, God, what is my part? Because I believe we all have a significant part to play in this great commission. If you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning in a moment? We're going to sing this song, Christ Be Magnified. And then Pastor Lewis will dismiss us, but I want to pray for us in this moment, for each and every person gathered here, watching online, maybe at another time. Heavenly Father, I present to you your church here of celebration, the group of called out ones, the believers gathered in this place. Yes, even around the world through the gift of technology. I ask Holy Spirit on behalf of each who consider me their pastor. I ask, what is our part in this great commission?
Show us, Holy Spirit, what part we can play. We believe that you're gonna call people to bring the good news to places it's never been. We believe you're gonna raise up people who will help support through prayer and resources, those who will say yes to go. We believe that you want to use each and every one of us to present the good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbors and our coworkers, that people will go public with their faith and receive the power from on high, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Father, we pray from today forward for this next decade, help us to be part of what you're doing here on earth. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven today. We ask in Jesus' name, let's lift our voice to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.